and welcome to an Education 300 sponsored podcast where we are going to be discussing the achievement gap, its history, how it affects students, and why it's still a growing issue for students today. Also to get a further insight, we'll be, we will be interviewing Mr. Castellanos and Mr. Magana, who are both teachers at South Elmani High School. I'm Abby. I'm Danielle. And I'm Danette. And this is the truth behind the achievement gap. Now, before we get started, let's explain what the achievement gap is. According to the National Education Association, the term achievement gap is often defined as the differences between the test scores of minority and or low-income students and the test scores of their white and Asian peers. The gap is also, also includes English language learners, students with disabilities, and even the difference between males and females. The achievement gap is determined by test, school classes, and or elective opportunities, and whether or not students receive high school or college diplomas. Throughout history, we have seen the inadequate education of minorities such as African Americans and Hispanics, and although the U.S. has tried to address this issue through certain policies, we still have a significant gap between them and their white peers, unable to find a totally effective solution. In granting Mexican-American students with education, there was an effort to Americanize their public schools rather than their children. And in doing so, the ethnic and religious community was completely, re completely removed from the schools. In stripping public schools of the Spanish language and Mexican culture, the community began to feel attacked. And by the end of the 19th century, a majority of Mexican-American and Catholic officials were removed from the public schools due to racial discrimination. This then led to public officials prohibiting the instruction of Spanish from their schools in an act to unify everyone through one common language, which impacted the non-English languages and cultures that remain present in America. The white population's fears of how the diverse groups would impact the American culture and the political dominance centered around pretty much white America caused them to enact the English language policies that prohibited the use of Spanish at both the state and local levels. <laughs> So we are here interviewing Mr. Magania from South Omani High School. And I was just wondering that in your experience teaching at South, can you describe the disparities in student achievement between different groups of students? I think the subgroups have changed significantly over the last couple of years as uh, populations have moved, have, they've actually been moved out of the school. Our English language learners are handled at different sites now. Um, our special ed population has shrunk, but it will grow again next year uh, significantly. So I think the concentration is going to shift. And, but at work, I do see the uh, discrimination of people who have actually said phrases like, by the time they get to me, they should be able to do this. Or, you know, as Mr. Castellano said a moment ago, I, I hear all the time there's one English teacher in particular who's very fond of the phrase, our students can't do that. And the word our is such a loaded word because it's not necessarily possessive as much as it is a negative label that is... Oh, I, didn't, I never thought of it. Yeah. It's yeah. Our, to me, very much uh, derogative points of finger at a population that we work with. Uh, same thing with the other teacher who's very fond of saying, by the time you get to me, you should know this. I think it's a very off-putting way of knowing who you work with and knowing that our kids, Latino, Asian or not, are academic English language learners who 
don't have the language skills and that teachers' jobs really to model, not to say that you should already know this. Issues with standardized testing for minorities stems way back, as the Mexican-American intellectual George R. Sanchez notices how his community is made to seem intellectually inferior to their white peers. According to Richard Valencia in the Trudy of Guadalupe article, he challenged the measurement of a mental ability based just one test through his later work on the fallacy of IQ being constant and the effects of language development on academic and mental ability. His studies focused on how traditional standardized intelligence testing failed on representing the Mexican-American children's abilities and mental capacity. Students' progress and just like achievement within like a grade level or a subject being like represented in a standardized test, do you feel like that's like beneficial or effective or do you think there's other ways to show it? I think there's other ways to show it. So maybe what they use anecdotal evidence to me is the best. I think that that's the stuff where you really get to see the stories that you hear from teachers to me are maybe the most meaningful because they're, they're the ones that say that I saw this, 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 this kid was able to achieve that. Um, but unfortunately that's not what's looked at. What's looked at is data, hard numbers. And you know, there is such thing as luck on exams, you know, and a lot of these exams are still heavily multiple choice based, which it's a gamble. It's like playing a lottery. You know, if you pick the right numbers, you might beat the system. Um, although I will say that the tests are evolving. So for instance, like uh, the college board who writes the AP exams and stuff like that, I mean, they're taking control of a lot more. So a lot of the questions are becoming different in that they're, no, they're becoming short answer questions versus multiple choice. A test that was normally maybe 50 questions before is now seven very challenging questions where kids actually have to write out answers that uh, provide evidence on why they picked it and logic that explains. So I think that the tests have become a little more indicative of what they've learned. They're a little truer. Right? They're a little truer than they were before. I think there's still a lot of room for growth. As for the stats on the achievement gap in California, the racial and ethnic inequality in education has been a long and persistent history in the United States. Gaps between different racial groups remain wide both nationally and in California, especially in California where Black and Hispanic students struggle to increase their test scores and learning abilities. Black and Hispanic students' scores have improved very rapidly over the last 30 years. Of the 6.2 million K-12 students who attend California public schools, just over half are Hispanics and they make up 54% of enrollment in schools. Hispanics are the most socioeconomically disadvantaged student group in California. According to LA Unified, only 13% of black students meet or exceeded proficiency goals in fourth grade reading, compared to 51% of white students and 23% of students overall. In California, only 10% of black students and 15% of Latino students met those benchmarks in eighth grade math compared to 44% of white students and 29% of students overall. A newer policy that has been implemented in all schools in the U.S. today is Common Core. Common Core was enacted to create a nationwide set of standards for every student at the end of each grade. Its main testing components are math and English language arts, and it was implemented to ensure that every student graduates from high school with a high level of skills and knowledge for college and life. The idea of it is not a bad one and definitely creates a more equal education throughout every state and will help improve educational standards and continuity. 
Common Core is also very modern in its thinking and implements a lot of modern technology and ideas for students to achieve more. It also allows teachers to mold the content and instruction in a way that they think will benefit their students. But it fails at what it should most help improve. Multiple studies have shown that low-income students and minorities as well as students with disabilities aren't succeeding under Common Core because it's not addressing the inequality between privileged and underprivileged students. Common Core has been shown to move very fast and cover more topics at a younger age than ever before, which almost immediately puts English language learners and students with disabilities behind. Also, since the Common Core criteria is based more around modern technology, a student or school that doesn't have as much access to those things is going to be behind. So, would you guys say that parent, invol that parent involvement is high at self? And if so, do you think that it impacts the students in the classroom? I've never worked at a school that has more parent involvement than South Carolina. Really? Um, the PTSA is, is a... The Parent Teacher Student Association is a, a fluffy white cloud that floats over South Almani um, on a day to day basis. And if it wasn't for that group of parents, um, most programs, honestly, most programs at the school wouldn't exist uh, because of the funding they provide and the, and the support they give. From little things to, um, they give out like acts of kindness, presents to kids who are like being nice to each other. Or, or, or from donating, last year they gave out $40,000 in scholarships um, at the end of the year, so, I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, you just mentioned the Avid trip. They just paid well over seven grand. Yeah. Oh, they did? This was the parent group that did that for the money that they raised from the swap meets on the weekend. As we discussed how lack of funding and resources still occur mainly in minority schools that are economically challenged, we can see how segregation is still present in today's society. Referring to Jonathan Kazal's article, Still Separate, Still Unequal, he focuses on a letter he had received from a student attending a low-income school predominantly occupied by African-American and Hispanic children. This letter comments on how they don't have no gardens, no music, or art, or no fun places to play. And it concludes in asking how to make their school a good one, like the kings are fortunate enough to have. These said kings are referring to their white peers who have a stable learning environment and the resources needed to be successful. Ready for that stuff. What do you want to talk about? I think um, in the time that I worked there, one of the things that's changed that kind of opened uh, the eyes of maybe the underserviced kids a bit more is they started, Ms. Navarro some years back, started the college and career fair day. So I think that kind of created a college going culture at school that maybe wasn't there before. And I think recently, um, the fact that they started the early college academy has sort of raised the bar for students who might not have had it expected of them before. But um, I think those are the very recent changes at our school, but I think in our district, um, there's still a lot of discrepancies in terms of expectation depending on the populations. I think you know our school being mainly socially, economically disadvantaged Latinos is a lot different than the population at Rosemead, where they have a lot of high-performing Asians, for instance, but they still have a very underserviced population of socioeconomically disadvantaged Latinos, English language learners, etc., because maybe they don't have to rely on them for results. And I don't really know what programs are in place to save kids like that at schools where there are is a lot more diversity. That's what Avid is supposed to be. 
When asking like what South has done to address any issues with minority students who may be scoring below their peers, can you like? Um, we have. I'll talk about South. I'll talk about the other things you mentioned. About so at South, uh, they have specialized positions. They're called teachers on special assignment, um, and there are teachers who do their job is not in the classroom. They kind of support other parts of the school. So we have a, a a teacher who his job is to work with all the English learners um, at our school uh, and help them reclassify so that they're not English learners anymore. Even though we don't have, they're not technically English learners. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have Mr. Basaki, who's a like an instructional coach. His job is to work with the teachers uh, on. Um, strategies and, and things that you can do in your classroom to make learning more accessible to all students um, and to change change the way classrooms run, not just a lecture, yeah. teacher, teacher in front of the room talking to kids, um, and to reach more students and to get, more importantly, to get more students uh, to, like talking in class. Uh, that's, that's the big factor in, in language barriers and all that stuff. Um, another thing is like what Mrs. Heilemann does as a college and career, um, that's been in all the schools, um, shifting students to like pushing them to go to college and finding them and trying to make it more of an expectation that we expect all students from South um, to apply to a four-year university. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not, you know, you better do it or whatever, it's more, you know, we we want to create that culture for you. If you decide to join the military or, or go to community college or not go to school, that's okay, but we want to make sure that you're ready. Our basic call to action is to make education reform a top priority in administration. Make more of an effort to ensure that high quality teachers are being provided in all low performing schools. And just to have the Department of Education update their teacher preparation programs in order to better prepare these teachers to meet a student's needs in any background from urban, suburban, and rural schools. The past measures to decrease the achievement gap have shown little success, and different alternatives need to be incorporated in order to focus on the student's educational experience rather than the content of their standardized tests. You should begin by addressing the current issues of teachers needing to go on strike, begging for aid in reducing the class size, and increasing their pay before anything else.